Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. We are back with On Second Thought from GPB and Virginia Prescott. All this week, we've been talking with reporters from GPB's Full Plate series about hunger. One in six Georgians is food insecure, meaning they don't always know where their next meal will come from. And as we've learned, food insecurity is often linked to access, and not just in rural, remote areas. More than one-third of metro Atlanta is considered to be a food desert. Ross Terrell spoke with one resident working to overcome a lack of reliable transportation. Bobby Akins lives on Auburn Avenue in downtown Atlanta. He stays in a high-rise building on a fixed income. But there's no grocery stores around there at all. They got a little convenience store, but you know they're open 24 hours. But you got to pay double for everything. The closest large grocery store is Publix, which is about two miles away. That means Akins lives in a food desert, an urban area where the closest supermarket or grocery store with fresh produce is more than a mile away, and Akins doesn't have a car. To be in a food desert and to have uh, limited options in terms of transportation, uh, that compounds the problem. That's Rodney Lynn. He teaches in the School of Public Health at Georgia State University. If you're in a food desert, but you have access to an automobile, um, that helps to mitigate the barrier uh, in some ways. Akins relies on Metro Atlanta's Rapid Transit Authority, or MARTA, to get to Malachi's Storehouse, a food pantry north of Atlanta. I get the number three outside, I go to Five Point, get the northbound to Shamley, then the 132 to Hemp, then get off in front of the church. It's a trip that takes more than an hour if everything goes as planned. Denise Blakely is with Wholesome Wave Georgia, a food justice organization. She says the long commute is just the tip of the iceberg. It's one thing to be able to get to market with yourself and maybe a couple of kids. It's another thing to have to try to get home while you're slipping bags and baskets. So I wanted to know, what are some solutions for people living in food deserts without reliable transportation? Well, for starters, Lyft, a rideshare company, started offering subsidized rides to grocery stores for 300 families in the metro area who are food insecure. Here's Blakely again. People who are participating in this pilot can have a very cost-effective, door-to-door service without that barrier of the time it takes to get back home uh, on MARTA with all of your shopping items. But the program is limited geographically and is only eight months long. And then there's another problem. Most people have to use food stamps once they're there. Remember Bobby Akins, who lives on a fixed income? He used to receive hundreds in food stamp benefits until he started pulling in too much money. So I got a raise on my check. They give me $15 a month. What can you do with $15? The city's transit authority is trying to help with that with Marta Market. They offer fresh food at stations on Atlanta's west side, and SNAP benefits are doubled there. Blakely with Wholesome Wave says that isn't going to replace large retailers, but it is a step in the right direction. They don't have to leave the station, or if they want it just to be a destination to shop, that's available to them. It gives people the dignity of choice. And that's what Akins appreciates about the storehouse. He shops around, picking what he wants, sifting through the good and bad produce before stuffing a suitcase full of groceries to take back to his apartment. Though he says it isn't all for him. Yeah, I try to get extra food 
Aiken says he doesn't mind going to the food pantry, but what he really wants is an affordable grocery store in his neighborhood. For GPB News, I'm Ross Terrell in Atlanta. And Ross is with me in the studio. Hello there. Hey, how's it going? Just fine. More than a third of Atlanta is in a food desert. How does that happen in such a big city? Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to believe uh, when you talk about Atlanta and what they bring to the table being this kind of worldwide city, uh, attracting these major events. Um but it's the idea of having easy access to a grocery store. Um, and even for somebody like Aikens living downtown, the closest one is two miles away. Um, and a lot of these food deserts are kind of in, in West Atlanta, Southwest Atlanta. And one thing I heard was about attracting grocery stores there is they want to know that residents are making a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to know that people are hitting a threshold when you talk about the Trader Joe's, the Whole Foods, those that we kind of grow accustomed to. Um, and if they're not seeing that, they're a little reluctant to build. And that just kind of compounds the problem of a number of residents uh, not having a place to go get fresh fruit, fresh groceries. Well, as we just heard about Malachi's, the food pantry, that's Dunwood. He takes an hour by mass transit for mm-hmm. for him to get there. You went and visited. What did you see there? What was it like? It was it was fascinating. I think uh, one thing I learned through this is food insecurity doesn't really have a look. Um, I mean, there were a number of people there. They were all races, um, ages, uh, genders, all, all types of things. Um, but one thing that was encouraging was where this food was coming from. It was coming from Costco. It was coming from Publix, Whole Foods. Um, and it really felt like a grocery store. So it's all donated food? All don or or food that would have been thrown out. So they go and get that other food, um, certain items they buy with their own money. Um, but it's a lot of donated goods that otherwise would be tossed in a landfill are now given to people who need to eat. Well Ross, you told the story through Bobby Akins. How did you choose him and why? So I, I talked to a few people while I was there and I think the thing that jumped out to me about Bobby um, was not only does he live in Atlanta, you know, in this high-rise tower. Um, But what I saw from him and what I saw from everyone was this idea of of selflessness. And what really jumped out to me was he carries a suitcase and a book bag with him. So he gets his groceries, uh, and you heard in that last sentence, there are people in his building who can't get out. So I saw him, you know, just stuffing everything he could, juice, fruit, uh, even some dessert. He's like, you know, we all have a sweet tooth, so I'll take this cake back, and uh, we'll, we'll all have a slice and kind of packing it with a tissue so it didn't break on the way home. But just this idea of, you know, we all need to eat. And um, he lugs that suitcase with him on the MARTA bus. He takes it back. He gives it out to the residents in his apartment. Um, and then he's back there the next week kind of doing the same thing. And I thought that was really interesting to see kind of this community f- use their resource that they had to make sure that they had fresh food. And to share. And to share. Yeah. So when you spoke to Blakely, he mentioned giving people the dignity of choice. What did he mean by that? Um, that was was fascinating. I think we get so used to seeing you know meal delivery where we put the package together, we give it out to people. Um, but here is really set up... As you were walk- like you were walking through the aisles of a grocery store, just like you know we do, we go to Kroger, we go up and down the aisles, choose what we want. Um, the people here have the same option. Uh, they get a hot meal when they come in, and then they get a ticket and they get in line and they grocery shop. Um, there was you know bananas, apples, oranges. They can sift through and choose. Ah, this one doesn't look that great. I don't want it. Um, what type of milk they want, how much they want it. There was um, a counter just I mean filled with bread options, so they could get. 
their fancy bread. They could get some wheat bread, whatever they want. And it was kind of set up in a U-shape around table. So you go around. If you want a dessert, get some dessert. Um it's just this option that humanizes an issue. Right. Rather than going to the cafeteria line in school and you got to exactly. eat the pizza. Exactly. You get two choices. That's it. But here it's like, here, come grocery shop here. So that is with Wholesome Wave Georgia, I should have pointed out, that gives people that kind of choice. Mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, the expenses, right? You know, there are there plans for any kind of affordable grocery store in the area? You mentioned that they have to have a certain kind of population density making a certain kind of money. And we've heard from other stories this week that it's zoning, that there are grant programs that are available for this. But how about online shopping at delivery? That's something that a lot of people use to get over access. Right. Uh, I found that interesting. You you think in this age of technology, uh, you know, why not shop online? If public is two miles away, they could deliver. And I talked to a guy, Nathaniel Harris, who lives out in Decatur. And to his point, he said, a lot of us don't have credit or debit cards. You know, that's another access issue when you talk about uh, financial stability. You have to shop online. You have to have access to a certain pot of wealth that some people don't have. Um, the mayor has made it one of her top priorities uh, to fight food deserts in Atlanta. We saw it last, I think it was in the winter around Christmas, she posted the awful picture of mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. But she turned that into a campaign called More Than Mac to raise money to fight food deserts, to help start building grocery stores. And that's been kind of a top um, flight of her campaign so far. When you look at the fact that 819,000 Atlanta residents are considered food insecure. Um and it's a staggering number, especially it is a staggering number. here when we have a new Whole Foods right, you know, right down the street right. that we go a mile in another direction and there are people who don't have a grocery store. Well, it also made me curious. You mentioned that Bob or Bobby mentioned that he's been kicked off of the snap rolls or the food stamp mm-hmm. rolls. Why did that happen? So he's on a fixed income. Uh, his income that he was getting, that went up. It hit a threshold where he then lost food stamp benefits. And so now he's down to $15 a month. Um, And talking to Blakely, um, that's known as the cliff effect. So this idea of, let's say you're making $9 an hour working. You start making $10.25 an hour, which is then too high. So you lose benefits in another area. Um, And it kind of keeps you in this this weird space because the benefits you get from your raise don't outweigh how much you just lost when it comes to SNAP benefits. and that for for Bobby, you know, he's single, so he worries about himself and his neighbors. But if you have a family, uh, Blakely pointed out that then leads you to choices: Do I pay my bills or do we get groceries? Yeah. Do I get gas? And it really puts you in a tough area of trying to gain, um, trying to elevate yourself financially to only lose assistance that you were truly dependent on. Yeah, I'm a little stuck on that number you mentioned: eight hundred nineteen thousand people food insecure in Atlanta. So, any given day. All of us are passing people who are hungry. Yes. Um, and and I, the thing that jumped out to me, I think about Aikens, I talked to another guy, uh, Stanley Sutherland, was they all live in this area. You know, we aren't talking, um, like you mentioned, rural Georgia. We're not talking uh, in the mountains where you can't build. Uh, we're talking right around us. And, and Sutherland, he was another case where he was down to $10 in food stamps. And, you know, I asked him, I was like, why don't you just go to Publix? He lives in Buckhead. He's like... Because I can come here and get chicken that could last me a week. If I go to Publix, that costs $6. I can't do anything after that. Um, So you really see that, I mean, people depend and rely on these storehouses, on this donated food, on these pantries. Uh, GBB is wrapping up its full plate series. How do you plan to follow up on stories like Bobby's and this greater issue of food insecurity in Atlanta? Uh, Some plans, I... 
I think the idea is to find other families and kind of tell every story is different. Um, and, and when you find those other families and see kind of what they're working with, um, I think that really puts a face on this issue. Uh, you also have the Access Aglana plan, which uh, is the using farmers markets to kind of help people have this access is doubling their SNAP benefits, which is one thing the Marta markets do. So if I go there with $10 in, in SNAP benefits, it's now 20. Um, and those are located on the West side. So in those areas where, you know, people rely on public transportation, where there isn't that grocery store, they're able to then kind of do it all in one. I take the train anyway, and my benefits are doubled here. Ross Terrell, thank you so much. Thank you. Ross Terrell is one of those who reported on the GBB Full Plate series. You can see the entire series at our website, gbbnews.org. Have a great weekend, y'all. This is On Second Thought from GBB.